Hey everybody, welcome to the Profoundly Pointless Podcast. My name is Nick. Coming up in this episode, we're going to be going on a psychic journey and then a sexual journey. I call in the energy of that person. I call in my energy. I ask the ancestors. I do a prayer for each one and call in and say, whoever needs to serve me now, come through. Well, you know, and I've actually experienced this. I went to a church in Marbella, Spain and was called the devil. And if we are intentional beings, we can truly see how we create everything in our lives, whether it is seen as positive or negative. I want to know if you're a, say you're eating a hot dog and you obviously have a hot dog bun. Are you a side uh, sliced kind of bun guy or a top slice kind of bun guy? What are you even talking about? I think basically you don't want to make off, you don't want to piss off the mob. And then second to that is circus performers when you think about it. <laughs> oh man. You're anyway, not safe switch- anywhere in your house. They could be on the second floor. They can jump right in there. I, I, I was so dumb. I prevented me from getting made fun of, which is what I intended to do in the first place. I want to thank you guys so much for listening. If you get a chance, like, download, subscribe, share. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. Our first guest is a fascinating interview. And I think that no matter if you believe or if you're a skeptic, there is still a message there that is worth paying attention and one that I think that no matter how you feel about it, there is still something to be learned from it. This is Tanya Gonzalez. She's a brujeria and was recently named the third best psychic in the world. How did you get into this? As a young girl, I had a strong connection to nature. I always had this very strong connection to nature. I, I would listen, I would talk, and we grew up next to a creek at one point, and that was where I really sensed that I had a stronger sense. But of course, I didn't let that develop. Life happened. I was raised by a single mother, so I didn't really get that deep connection. But books, it was books, and having access to libraries is what really got me on a very spiritual path. And then after the birth of my daughter, I really started bringing in that energy. And because I was so young, and I was in college, and learning psychology, and English literature and being exposed to things that I hadn't been exposed to and bigger books and more wisdom and knowledge, I realized that I did have something. And I started just playing cards and um, reading for friends. And then more people started asking me. And then I found a spiritual home and started attending every week. And then I became a spiritual counselor. And it really just kind of grew from that. I I was reading tarot cards at a coffee shop in Chicago while I taught yoga classes because I thought I wanted to be the next, you know, woman of color yoga teacher of the, you know, the new age kind of thing. And that was what I was really focusing on is is healing people through their body with yoga. And tarot, I would just read tarot cards on Thursdays at this cute little cafe in Chicago called Buzz Cafe for a dollar a minute. (laughs) And, um, People just started coming in and coming in, and then they wanted to come to my house and have longer sessions. And my business really just, or this whole thing just grew from that. And then YouTube started and social media. I remember my first 
ads were on Craigslist. <laughs> so, um, and then YouTube started. So I started videos. I, my first video is still there. I think it was in 2010 or 2011. And I was like, this is my first YouTube. I don't know what I'm doing. I would just do it every single week, every single week, reading tarot cards. And then I got selected to be in an international psychic challenge in Kiev, Ukraine, and was voted number three psychic in the world. So that's the quick, short version of it. But I'll tell you, I started really as a librarian. I, I do have a master's degree also in library science. So it was the librarian in me that led me to unveil, unre, you know, unveil all of my magic. I Do you feel like something else was talking to you necessarily, or do you feel like being out in nature, kind of being a librarian, having more time to yourself to reflect, do you feel like something else was talking to you, or do you feel like maybe you were just talking to you? Oh, no, it wasn't me, something else. Because, you know, the, the human mind, my mind, I, I, if I talk about me, it was my story. You know, I was a single mother, my mother was a single mother, I would talk about my circumstances, my situations, or whatever. But this was beyond that. This did not come from me. And from when I do sessions and work with clients, I always tell them, this isn't me. This is coming through me. So please record and take notes because I don't know what I'm saying. It's not me. It is, it is definitely something else. What is that something else, though? I mean, do you, do you know or do you just kind of... How I see it, it, it depends. When I am working with a client, for instance, if we're just doing a tarot reading, I call in the energy of that person. I call in my energy. I ask the ancestors. I do a prayer for each one and call in and say, whoever needs to serve me now, come through. I call them my spirit squad. And so my spirit squad is comprised of people in my life who passed on as well as famous people. So Princess Diana, Maya Angelou, Prince, Michael Jackson, um, M Marie Laveau, my ancestors from the Orishas to Africa, all different voices. Um, when I call on them, that's what I hear. That's what I hear. And as a spiritual teacher, I know it's all just spirit. It just comes in through a way that I understand it if it is, I'm not saying I get direct messages from Maya Angelou, but what I am saying is I connect with that energy on a daily basis. And because of that, I do have a connection to the spiritual realm, which does support me because I tend to know things about people that I don't know. It's not from me. For, for people who would be skeptical of this, mm -hmm. that, what is your general response to somebody who would be like, Okay, whatever, basically. In church, in all religions, they tell you can pray to Jesus. And they tell you to pray to Jesus and praying to our Mother Mary or whatever it is. And aren't they spirits? Haven't they passed on? And if you feel that you are being, your, your faith is being heard or your prayers are being answered because you're speaking to Jesus or Mary or whomever, that's the same experience. You know, I do include Jesus and Yeshua is why I say sometimes in my prayers as well, because it is a powerful energy. But so is Buddha in, in some countries. So is, you know, everyone has their something. And so for the skeptics, I say, if you, if you pray, you know, you're praying to something above you. It doesn't mean above you in the sky, but that has a higher 
understanding than our mental capabilities as a human. What do you think about people, though, who would say, and my personal belief is, if you believe in one thing, you have to kind of accept that anything else that somebody believes in could also be a possibility, right? Like Christianity isn't any more, quote unquote, like ridiculous than any other religion, right? I think you understand what I'm saying in that sense. Yes. But what yes. would what would you say to the people who would view what you're doing as sacrilegious and what they're doing as the right way, you know, the right God, that kind mm-hmm. of thing? Mm-hmm. Oh, good question. Thank you, Nick. Well, you know, I, I've actually experienced this. I went to a church in Marbella, Spain and was called the devil because I told her I'm a spiritual teacher. And, and she, and she, the, 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 um, it was the woman who was the reverend and she, she told me that what I was doing was sacrilegious. And I said, I'm speaking to spirit and you're speaking to spirit. If you're speaking to spirit and that's right, and I'm speaking to spirit and that's wrong, but we're both speaking to spirit. Tell me what's the definition of spirit. Yeah, I don't think that I don't think that people can really answer it. That's why I kind of think if you believe you have to you have to acknowledge that all of it could be possible. True. And yet everything that we've ever seen about religion has been proven is about control and about influencing people's thoughts and perceptions about what life is and and how it works, but that again is based on someone else's opinion. And and again spirit we know, again, scientifically, is in plants and animals. It's been proven that everything is energy, and if everything is energy, then isn't everything of spirit and spirit at the same time, each of us, all of us, and everything on this planet? One of the things that you kind of talk about is use your magic. What do, what do you mean by that? Use your magic. Within each of us is an inherent gift, and that gift is our power. It is our magic or it is our energies and it is our intentions. And if we are intentional beings, we can truly see how we create everything in our lives, whether it is seen as positive or negative. For instance, um, if you, you know, they showed this like in the secret, you know, somebody stubbed their toe and then they're like, oh, you know, bad day. My day's going to, this day's ruined. You know, they set that intention out and the universe brings it to them. Everything is ruined for that day. And yet if I stub my toe and say, wait a minute, this is telling me to slow down. Let me pause for a moment. What is the universe telling me, you know, and, and allow yourself to see it from another perspective and, or, just recognize that your energy is creating something instead of it being a negative. Let it be positive. Maybe the stub toe really was to ask you to slow down, pay attention to what you're doing or where you're going. And so your magic is really knowing that you do carry energy and your energy ripples out into the world, whether it be a good stub toe or a bad stub toe, how you see it. And how you react and respond to it is what creates your magic. You know, everybody wants somebody to tell them who to be instead of allowing themselves to do it themselves. And so use your magic is discovering you. So many of us are just told what to do, like religion. Religion tells us what to do. And spirit is about freedom. Spirit is about active, you know, spirit is about 
action and movement within the self, the higher self, not be the self that is, you know, this human self. Dive deeper, dig deeper. Religion has gotten people so conditioned to, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do. Oh, everybody else is doing this, so I have to follow. And this is not what spirit says. Spirit says, look, discover, reflect, tune in, turn off. Do you think that people are getting better about that? Or do you think that people are getting worse about that? Because I personally worse. feel, yeah, that's what. Worse, worse. Absolutely. I am a librarian. I have a, two master's degrees. And so because of that, Nick, I know there's so much that we don't know. And, you know, we just came from the pyramids in Mexico City. And again, there's still so much we don't know. We only know what they have told us, but there's so much more that we don't know. How do people in these kind of modern times take that time to kind of reflect and look into themselves or look into the things that you're talking about when everybody feels so pressured to do all of these different things? Like, how, what would your advice be on how for people making that time? Oh, thank you, Nick. This is what I teach all the time. The first thing is, there is no time but this time. And if you don't give it to yourself now, when will you? You know, we're not taught to tune in. We're taught to turn on. We're taught to turn on the TV. We're taught to listen to other people. We're not taught to reflect. And so there is a surge now of, of people really wanting to reflect because we recognize that we don't know ourselves. And so some of the quickest ways that we can do this, pray. People don't think, oh, they think I have to get on my hands and knees. No. One of my favorite things is called the love shower. When you're in the shower, that is your private time unless you're in there with somebody else, you know. But that's your five minutes where you're most vulnerable, you're bare, you're cleansing off the old. You know, use that time. I'm releasing the old. I'm releasing this day or the, no or the morning or whatever it is you want to release and, and put in the energy you want to feel. So if you're releasing something, then you have space to include something else into your life. And so the love shower, I call it. And then I follow that with love lotion. You know, I, I love myself. I, I'm learning to love myself. I want to know myself more. We have all we need. The thing is, we just see this body as, as just an extension of our mind. And our bodies are our sacred temples. And the more we connect to it, the more we discover ourselves. You know, it's just like that runner's high people... That is, running takes supreme focus, just like art does, just like music does. Whatever we put our intention and energy and allow our magic to come forth, that is prayer. So you can work out and pray. You can wash the dishes and pray. But again, it's your intention. It's not about thinking. It's about reflecting and listening. It's turning off our mind and listening to our heart. I feel like I'm going to ask this question in kind of a awkward way. But I feel like a lot of the things that you're talking about, most people from the, let's say, more traditional religion, spirituality, so to speak, wouldn't really disagree with that. And it's kind of the same things that in some ways that they say. I feel like, though, that maybe the packaging, so to speak, is different. Do you ever feel like if people like yourself packaged it in a different way, that it would be more accepted? You know, that the more fundamental Christians, so to speak, would be much more accepting of these kind of things, of this idea that you don't have to go into the church building to pray. 
You know what? I'll tell you this. I, in, in certain countries, you know, in Europe, spiritual practice, there's spiritual churches, you know, um, and so they are more open to the ideas. In the United States, there's this suppression. Again, I became a star in Europe as, and voted number three psychic in, in the world. I don't have that in the United States. There's nothing like that in the United States. And you want to know why? Because the last woman that was seen as a very powerful woman of color psychic was also seen as a witch, was seen as a dark energy. Again, this goes back to uh, the simplest I can say it is the idea of racism and that uh, women of color with knowing this kind of wisdom is seen as dark energy, seen as a, a negative experience. You say the word or the name Marie Laveau and everyone thinks, ooh, voodoo queen. And, you know, there's this New Orleans tribal thing. But the, the thing is, if it's been so used and, and carried forth and they have churches and schools, they have a, a university of psychic studies in London, you know, in Europe. And there's nothing like that in the United States because in the United States, it was Miss Chloe, or Madam Chloe, and, and Miss Cleo, I'm sorry, Miss Cleo. She was the one who created the first psychic hotline. She made that company millions of dollars, but because she was seen as a dark energy and she did not have the education and the people around her supporting her, they robbed her of that experience. And so, the psychic energy and the spiritualist and this church idea, again, it's really in, in different parts of the world. I wouldn't say it's a worldwide thing. However, people still have their, their religion. I'm, I study A Course in Miracles. I'm a student and a teacher of A Course in Miracles. It's not a religion. It's a book, a self-study book. And again, about un, learning what I have learned about spirituality and religion and, and that. But again, it's my choice. I had to choose. Are more people kind of transitioning into more of a spirituality? Spirituality is definitely going up. More people are turning away from the church because the church has secrets. The church is built on 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 white men and power, you know, in truth. And so the church is really being pulled away and more and more people are seeing that spirituality, especially people of color coming into recognizing that sense. And even people who, I mean, all of us are doing ancestry tests and where do I come from? We're really trying to dig deeper. And the reason is, Nick, is because next year is 2020. We've been hearing about this since we were kids. Oh, 2020, what's going to be, you know, the age of Aquarius and all of that, right? I remember growing up as a kid in the 70s and like 2020 was like, oh, I thought we'd look like the Jetsons flying around in spacesuits and things. And here we are. And 2020 is really about us seeing clearly, right? Like 2020 vision. And it's showing us that this world that we've created of access and of capitalism, of consumerism, and of the patriarchal system does not work. And so spirituality, this is why you're seeing shamans and priestesses and more people taking retreats and more people moving out of cities and more people actually moving out of the United States because, again, there's this energy of overconsumption in the United States. And, and there's just so much shifting. And all of this is really about 2020. When you have people who come to you for spiritual counseling, when what do you think is the biggest issue that they 
necessarily are facing? Like, what's the one thing you see over and over and over and over again? Self-love, Nick. Self-love. We have not been taught to love ourselves. We have been taught to take care of other people. We've been taught that love looks like, you know, Romeo and Juliet. If we self-love, it it was the remedy to everything. Because if we loved ourselves, we could not hurt another person by words or action. If we loved ourselves, we couldn't hurt an animal. If we loved ourselves, we wouldn't overconsume. If we loved ourselves, we wouldn't overspend. We'd all be prosperous. We haven't been taught how to love ourselves. And as adults, we're trying to correct mistakes from our childhood. We're trying to fit in society that tells us we're wrong. We're trying to, you know, we're all these different things. But loving ourselves is something we are not taught. I'm going to mispronounce this. I feel terribly. Now, do you? what is brujeria? Do you do that or am I confused? Yes. It's brujeria. Brujeria. Okay. I knew Um, I was going to butcher it. No, it's okay. So brujeria is just learning how to use your magic. It's using tarot cards and crystals. It's using, you know, any of the tools and and divination that supports you in connecting deeper to yourself and to the spiritual world. So, for instance, tarot. Tarot is, is, again, I don't know what my ancient connection is to tarot, but I'll tell you one of the things that surprises me the most. My birthday is July 22nd. In the Kabbalah and in the tarot deck, there are 22, um, 22 levels or understandings in the Kabbalah. And then in the tarot, there's 22 major arcana cards. And so there is a strong connection to me to both Kabbalah and tarot. And again, Kabbalah is ancient mysticism and esoteric. And so the tarot as a divination tool allows me to, again, it's just symbols. It's symbols without really words and connecting to a person and, and their spirit. And that's why tarot is so mysterious because people are like, oh, my God, how do these cards know me? It's because, again, of the energy, one, the power, two, and the intention, and that is your magic. And when we allow ourselves to tap into that through self-love and practicing, you know, these spiritual practices that heal our mind and heal us of our past and mistakes and all of that, then we can really become aligned. And that's when prayer feels good and things start to really align and you think, wow, how is this happening? And it's happening because when you start to do healing work, you recognize, wow, I've had negative thought patterns. I had negative self-talk. I really didn't love myself. And if I don't love myself, how can I love this other person? And when that kind of awareness starts to come, that's when you start to dig deeper because you want to know, where did this come from? Where did I get this thinking from? And then you want to heal it. And so it's really a process. And so that's the process that I take people through and in spiritual counseling as well because we've got to uncover and reveal it and then deal with it so we can heal it. How do you separate, though, the idea of like, okay, maybe the universe is speaking to somebody about something happening, and maybe it's just a coincidence. I'm trying to think of potentially what's going to be a bad example, but like, you know, you see this thing on the way to work, and maybe that is the universe speaking to you that you should do this, or maybe it's just a coincidence that it happened and it means nothing. Like, how do you separate between the two of those? You feel it, you know. If it's your head, if it's your head, it, it, it doesn't feel 
right. You know, it's just like if you if you say something wrong, and you're like, oh, I caught myself. Oh, that didn't feel good, right? But when it's coming from spirit, you know, you have no doubt, you have no worry, you know within you, in your bones. I say you know in your bones. So an example I'll share with you. Um, I, I've, again, I've worked with so many people around the world and I had a client of mine who had, um, she was, she was married to someone and she thought this was the love of her life and I had shared with her, I said, you know what, beloved, I know you love this person. They weren't even thinking about divorce. They had just moved and she was about to do this big deal. And I said, sweetheart, if you do this, you're going to have a struggle. And I shared the cards with her and, and I said, I'm, I'm letting you know if you move forward, you will struggle. However, if you go this way, there'll be a less of a struggle. But again, our human selves think we know better and we're not, we don't truly trust our intuition. Again, like self-love, we're not taught to trust ourselves. Well, flash forward eight months and I get an email from her and she says, you were right. Um, we are getting a divorce. Everything you said was true. And I don't try to be true. You know, I try to support. And, and that's the thing too. People think that being a psychic means that you know everything. And, and that's not 100% true. It, it really means that I'm tuned in. I don't tune into everybody all day because that would be energetically draining. However, when I'm working with someone and they ask me, you know, um, is this possible? I will tell them what spirit guides me. If spirit doesn't guide me to say anything, I do not. So, for instance, I, I can sense for you, Nick, that um, there's some strong bonds with the men in your family and these bonds have been broken and you and I sense a brother or an uncle have really been trying to bring the family back together. I see fishing trips for the men in your family, a lot of male-centered energy for you and it might be because you have a son or two sons, but I do see that there's this energy around the male for you, that is very important. And perhaps this is because, you know, your father's father or something, but I definitely sense there's a something important for you and the men in your family. And maybe you are having your first son or something, but there's something about your lineage and, and the maleness for you that has been very strong. And so without reading your energy, I, I sense that. And, and what would you say to that? I think to not necessarily make it about me, but to maybe transition into a question about that, I feel like you hit a nail on the head because I just had a son. I had a three, I have a three month old. I'm going on a first vacation with my father coming up. So to ask the maybe more general question in the sense is, how do you separate between, okay, hitting the nail on the head or being kind of broad in the sense that you could say that about a lot of people. And maybe they then go in and mentally fill in all of those gaps and create the perception that you're right. Like, what what would be your response to that? You know, if I was to say, uh-huh. I feel that you will go through a change in life coming up. I mean, mm, you know, mm-hmm, does that mm-hmm. make sense what I'm kind of asking Absolutely. you? Absolutely. Because you didn't ask me. I just listened to what your spirit said. And your spirit was really connecting to the men, the lineage. Like I said, like I felt this lineage was important to you. 
I just asked your spirit, what is, what is important to Nick right now? And it said, your son, your son, or you're about to have a son and something with your father. And I, that's all it said. I didn't, if I, if you want me to, I could go a little deeper, but I just tuned into what it was that was right there on your heart. How, for somebody who may be looking to go kind of down this a path and is looking to somebody like you, how can they separate between somebody like you and somebody who is more of, let's use the word like, a, you know, the, the dime store psychic, the neon, uh-huh. psych, how, how do they separate in between that and somebody who maybe who could have said the same thing about me by looking at my Instagram page or something like that? Yeah. Um, how you can tell is, again, you'll feel it. You'll know. Most people don't, again, trust their intuition. And if you feel somebody's going to scam you, most of the time, if we are really paying attention to the signs and symbols around us, we will know. Or, again, it is a lesson we're meant to learn. And, 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 again, if you go looking for the only answer you want, you know, people tell me all the time, this is perfect. So people come to me all the time. This psychic told me this. What do you think? You know, so people will come to me for the cleanup, right? And I say, okay, so how many questions did they ask? What, you know, what did you tell them? When I do any type of reading with anyone, I never ask a question, Nick. I've gotten names for people. I have, I had a gay couple a few years ago that were friends of mine back in Chicago. These two men, they were in their fifties and, um, they were like, we want to have a baby. And, they were like, they've been turned down because they were older. They were an older white gay couple, and they thought for sure they would be able to get an adopted baby, right? But it wasn't that easy. And I told them it was very, it, it was so, I said, there's a baby coming to you, a little brown baby girl. She's going to be very powerful. She's going to be born during a very powerful time, and she is going to really bring magic into your life. And again, they had no idea. Uh, a few months later, his name came kept coming to me and coming to me. And he said, Oh my gosh, Tanya, how did you know? And I was there with them when Sienna was given to them. They had a, there was a young woman who had just seen something in one of their background pictures and thought that they would be the perfect parents. And now they, Sienna, I think is eight or nine or 10 years old. But, um, again, I, I don't ask, I just, I'm, I'm guided. And that's the difference when people are guided, they're passionate about it. You talk about adding sexy to your magic. What does that mean? Adding sexy to your magic is that love magic. Again, we have to be in love with ourselves before we can really use that or have that magnetism and that attraction to others or for others to be that attracted to us. And so the thing is, if we don't love ourselves, again, how can we activate those pleasure principles or those pleasure points within ourselves. We're always looking for others to make us feel good, but we've got to do it for ourselves. So adding the sexy is really about allowing yourself pleasure instead of pain, allowing yourself to really connect to that sensual sacred self within us, because that's truly where our magic happens. Like your son, you know, your wife and you, you created magic and now you have a son. You know, something came out of, out of a, a, a night of passion and pleasure, right? Or a day or whatever it was, you know, but it comes from that place. But if we don't allow ourselves, cause we're not taught pleasure, we're taught to work hard. That is that old idea of what do they call it? Like the sacred feminine? Is that what they call uh-huh. it? 
Mm-hmm. And there's a sacred masculine as well, because we both have two sides. We have a masculine side and a feminine side. And that's what the balance is, is coming into union with both of those into balance. That's our sacredness. Does, and I know this isn't the right way to phrase this, but I'm not smart enough to think of a better way. Does this type of spirituality appeal more to men or more to women, or does it trend in one way? It does trend in more for women, and the reason is because as women, we do have a moon inside of us. We have a cycle that connects us to a bigger, a bigger energy outside of us, and we know it. It's we're connected to the moon, and because we are intuitively connected to the moon, we are more intuitive. That's why they have that mother's that mother's um, knowing kind of thing. Because women do have a natural more. I can't believe I'm saying this because let me stop for a second before I say it. When I was in the International Psychic Challenge in Kiev, Ukraine, it was season 11. And it was a battle between the men and the women. And it was actually that question, who were better psychics, men or women? And again, because we do have an intuitive cycle that flows through us, you know, and we can bleed and not die, you know, we do have more of an intuitive sense. However, that does not mean that men do not. Uh, The modern man has been so programmed and conditioned to move away from his intuitive nature. It's harder for him sometimes to connect. However, men who are sensitive and men who, you know, don't have a lot of preconditioned or only men can wear blue kind of conditioning allows himself the fluidity and, you know, the energy of women, he can then become more highly intuitive. So I don't want to say that women are better psychics than men. They're, they're just different. What kind of stuff do you experience online? Are people, well, I guess, what do you hear from people who say like, this is, this is against God and man, kind of that idea. Are they pretty harsh? Are they reasonable? Do they come to Um, just learn or are they... they it's both. It's it's really both. And I just tell everybody, it all comes down to love. This isn't about a God or a person or a, it's all about energy. And, and that's all love. That's pretty much all the questions that I have. What do you have coming up? So what I have coming up, oh my gosh. So we've got the Bruja Beach Retreat in October for the week of Halloween and all that fun stuff. I've got an upcoming book, Heal Sister Heal. This summer, I've got a secret club where I'm working with my community to create some amazing products and things like that in the fall. I've got so many secret things coming up, including including some magic and chocolate. And I can't tell you anymore, but I'll tell you that. And just so many amazing things. And again, Nick, it, it, I can't believe that I was a single mom at 19. And I was a librarian, a professional master degree librarian at 28. And at 40, I was a TV star and an international psychic. So uh, I, I don't know. There's so much more for me to do and share. And I just, I'm, I'm just super grateful. There's so much more to come. I want to thank Tanya so much for joining us. If you want to connect with her, we have linked to her on our social media accounts. We're profoundly pointless on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And we have also included links to her website on the RSS feed that you can basically just look at where you're playing this podcast, look down, and you'll find those right there. 
We love hearing from you guys, so can't wait to hear what you guys have to say about the interview. One other thing that I would add is that in just talking to her, I did feel like she puts off a very positive energy. I mean, I generally felt happy while having this conversation with her. Okay, so now let's go ahead and give John Shaw a call. And he's been really proud all week. He's been putting out these Twitter polls about the fictional cats and dogs. And he's been really excited about it. And he's done pretty well with them. I know he's going to want to talk about it. So I'm going to try to just completely ignore everything that he says about it. How come there's always like a lot of static when you answer the phone? I I don't hear that, so I can't I can't accurately answer that for you. When you answer the phone, like what are you doing? Do you answer it a little bit before you're ready to actually speak, or do you re- answer it ready to go? I answer it ready to go. I, what other way do you answer a phone? Well, sometimes I'll answer a phone, like I'll hit the button and then wait a couple of seconds, assuming that the person's not actually ready for you to just be like, "Hello," and so I kind of answer it, give it like two or three beats, and then I start talking. I know that I have to bring my A game with you or you're going to butcher me. How many people do you think, how many relatives of yours have seen you naked? Uh, zero, and I know that for a fact. Nobody in your family has ever seen you naked, outside of your wife, I'm assuming. If she has, I would assume she has. Uh, I mean, besides, like, my mother and father? Yeah. There isn't one family member that's seen me naked, no. Not like your brothers and sisters, nobody? Nobody. How, is that because you don't like to be seen naked? I mean, have you been trying to hide it, or the situation has just never happened? I mean, I don't have a lot of close family, uh, you know, and my 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 siblings are thirteen and ten years younger than me. So if I if I was ever going to be in a situation where I would have been naked around them, uh, they were definitely too young and wouldn't have been where I was to been a part of that. I ask you this because this week my mother-in-law saw me naked. <laughs> well, that only took eight years, five years, whatever it is. If you were to see a family member naked, what do you think is the appropriate reaction to have? I think it's when when you see them. You know, because like, I think when you're a child, right, we all have that one scarring moment of seeing your mom and dad, you know, in the act or or something like that. I think we've all been there. What I what I want to know more and what everyone else wants to know is is what happened. Like we need that story. We need the details. So my mother-in-law has been being very helpful and while my wife is finishing up her teaching, she's a teacher, for the last couple of weeks my mother-in-law has been staying at our house. I work a night shift so I sleep late. The baby is sleeping in our room. She will come in and get the baby when the baby wakes up, which has been very helpful. But <laughs> oh, I happen to I know where this is going. I happen to be getting out of bed, and I like to sleep uh, in the birthday suit. And I was getting out of bed, and my mother-in-law walked in as I was basically completely naked. And not, I, I think what happened too, to be honest, I think she saw me naked, kind of turned around, thought that I then covered up, and then came back in. So I think she's actually saw me twice. <laughs> Wait a minute. So she she came in, got got full frontal, went back out. You didn't put anything on, and she came back in. I 
I didn't care. I just was like, look, this is this is this is me. This is what nature intended, and I'm just standing here. And if you're uncomfortable with it, you can leave. <laughs> you're in my room, technically. Yeah, she was in my room. I can do what I want. <laughs> so, so like, how's the attitude been since then? Nothing. Haven't said it. Haven't said anything about it. I mean, I don't know if you bring that up in conversation afterwards. Like, hey, nice Johnson. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> what exactly would you expect her to say to me? Like, as she walked by you and been like, "Oh, Nick, uh, do you need to your laundry done?" Or like, "Is it in your bedroom?" Wow, awfully cold in that bedroom, isn't it? Or something <laughs> like that. That's what. That if I if like if I had a family member that I saw naked. That's probably what I would say. I'd be like, "Wow, it's pretty cold in that bedroom, huh?" <laughs> I can't. Yeah, I, unfortunately, I, I don't have any good stories like that. I don't. I I don't sleep uh, in my birthday suit for one. Uh, but I, I give you kudos for doing so. I mean, that's that's takes a brave individual to do so. I don't understand why that takes a brave individual to just rock it out. What are you wearing? You wearing like a suit in there? What are you doing? <laughs> I mean, I'm wearing pajama pants and a t-shirt. Are you serious? No, not really. Uh, I mean, I'm not too far off, though. I mean, usually, like, just undies and a shirt or maybe just undies. I mean, it depends how cold it is. I mean, it's all in the weather, really. See, it makes no difference to me. I don't know. I've never understood that. Like, you're supposedly you sleep better cold, so I think you should go, like, all match. That's how I feel like it should be done. So like when you when you sleep in the nude, like, like are you a back sleeper, a stomach sleeper? Uh, side, left side specifically. I can't sleep on my right side at all. <laughs> uh, for everyone that is listening to this, I think everyone just got a picture, and now uh, everyone, including myself, is going to throw up. Have you seen me naked? No, I don't think so. Yeah, it's not really something that you would necessarily – I would definitely say I would think that people – if people saw me naked, it's not really something that they would remember. Just be like, <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty average. I mean that's what a dude looks like. Like there we go. There's – you know? Yeah, there's – that's what a micro penis looks like. <laughs> there's, there's nothing There's nothing to laugh at and nothing to be impressed by. It's just, yep, that's an average human being right there. What? What a What a – what a question to kick off uh, this segment of the podcast. Little, I, little bit disappointed in your answer. I, I feel like you hide. I feel like you hide what God intended. <laughs> I, you know what? I, I wish I had a better story. I mean, there, there are plenty of of people in my life that have seen me naked, just not any of my immediate family members. Who else has definitely, seen? Who else has seen you not naked? My mother-in-law. Who else has seen you naked? Well, if, uh, if you attended uh, my bachelor party, you might have seen some things, because uh, that's what alcohol will do to you kids. Yeah. There's nothing like running naked through a field. Sometimes you just <laughs> got to throw it out there. Um, you were talking about this before, so I'll bring it up. When, when did you see your parents having sex? Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't remember the exact year, but I, I would say I was under eight, and... I mean, it's it's a mental image that has scarred in my head forever, and uh, I I will never never forget it. I this uh, this podcast recording here might be uh, I might set the number of record or the the 
the record for the number of times that I want to go throw up because now I'm getting sick to my stomach. Quick question. Uh, was dad on top? <laughs> Without going into uh, any more details, uh, no, he was not on top. I all I don't even I don't think I've seen your parents in person more than twice. I almost just puked. <laughs> we, I feel like I feel like we should move on. Well, also, last question specifically about your parents: Was it in their bedroom or were they like on the kitchen counter? Uh, it was in the bedroom. See, once again, and I, I think this is a good point. I intruded their space. What did they? How was their reaction? What did they do? <laughs> I think my I think my dad was just like. Get out of here, you little shit! <laughs> I could see that. I see. I never, I never did see my parents having sex, but I do remember one time my dad was like, "Go to sleep. You need to be asleep. Go to sleep. You should go to sleep. Go back to sleep. Go to sleep." Why does he keep telling me to go to sleep? Oh, now, oh, why does he keep checking on me to see if I'm asleep? I don't understand. Yeah, he's coming in here every minute and a half. What the fuck, Dad? Um, speaking of which, did you know that somebody on this, some one of our listeners, said that you remind them of an owl? <laughs> no, I, I don't know. No, I, I this is the first I'm hearing of it, and I don't know how I compare it to an owl. You don't wonder who that person was that said that you were an owl? I, I'm sure I know them, and I'm sure they're, I'm sure they're correct in whatever joke they're saying. But you don't wonder who that person might be. I mean, it could be a handful of people. Ask me a question. Is it you? God dang it, dude! You're supposed to go who? <laughs> no. And then, like, don't you get the joke? The joke was, like, somebody said they that you remind them of an owl. And then you say, who? And I can't believe that you did, took you forever to not say that. <laughs> I, I thought you were like, just trying to make fun of me again. Like, I what, was what trying to want? make fun of you, but you were so confused about it, I couldn't even make fun of you. You're like the guy that's like, no, no, no. You can't make See fun of that saying? kid. I... I, I, I was so dumb, I prevented me from getting made fun of, which is what I intended to do in the first place. Okay, well, let's try it again. I'm going to try it again, and then let's just try it, all right? You just play along. Hey, did you know that somebody, one of our listeners, said that you remind them of an owl? Who? <laughs> it's, not, it's not funny. No, it's really not, but... <laughs> I thought it was gonna be. I thought it was gonna be better than that. Um, is there anything that you want to talk about? Anything that uh, is on your mind? Actually, there is. There's a few things. Really, I can't believe it. So, <laughs> see, why do you always have to 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 say uh, hurtful things? I didn't smart ass comment. I didn't say anything. I'm merely encouraging you to get on with your point. I want to know. If you're a – say you're eating a hot dog and you obviously have a hot dog bun, are you a side-sliced uh, kind of bun guy or a top-slice kind of bun guy? What are you even talking about? What do you mean side-slice? It's a hot dog bun. Like it's just it's, – it's sliced the way that it comes. What do you mean side-slice or top-sliced? No, you – I listen, I, I was blown away by this as well. 
but apparently they they sell hot dog buns now that are sliced down uh, down the the top like the to the top bun they're sliced down the middle it's not the side slice like everyone's used to who's doing that uh i'd have to i, I think it's pepperidge farm maybe well do you tell them to this is america Get the fuck out of here with your <laughs> top sliced buns. This is America. We take our buns sliced sideways. <laughs> Actually, top was pretty good. I'm not going to lie to you. You bought one? Yeah, well, I bought a package of them, yes. Wow. How many packages of hot dogs do you go through a month? I don't uh, I don't eat a whole lot of hot dogs, but when I do, I go all out because, you know, Detroit is the Coney capital of the world. No, it's not. There's literally a place in New York that's called Coney Island. That would be the Uh, capital of the world. Do they have the hot dog eating challenge? Do they have the world record eating hot dog challenge? Is that in Detroit? No, because no, it's not. It's not. Okay, thank you. Thank you. It's not. Cholesterol related problems. We don't need to have a hot dog eating contest to prove that we're the most unhealthiest city in the world. I remember that. A couple of our couple of our podcast listeners, by the way, questioned your Detroit qualifications. Said you are not actually from Detroit. I, well, you know they they can uh, DM me and I, I can give them papers. Hmm. What high school did you go to? I I did go to the Hazel Park High School, which is not in Detroit. It's in Oakland County. Hmm. People are a little skeptical. That's all I'm saying. I. I we we should have a a, a whole uh, podcast Detroit uh, off where where you and I just talk about our upbringing and see how many people don't listen. Um, what did the golfer say when he got a wait? Shit! Oh, here it is. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ! We might. Why did the golfer change his pants? Um, because he had a. A hole in it? Yeah, close. Because he got a hole in one. I mean, you were good there. I was really worried you were going to get it completely right. <laughs> um, but what does what's a hole in one even mean? Oh, I see. Yeah, a hole in one. I got it now. Got it. I was thinking something else. Never mind. Okay. I was getting angry. <laughs> it's getting heated over here. Anything else that you'd like to address? Anything happened to you this week? Anything like that? Mm, not a whole lot. Um, you know, I, I have to keep defending myself uh, uh, about the fact that I, I don't mow my own lawn, but that's fine. Yeah. Um, I'm just glad that you have seen the, the error of your ways and how many, how much other men realize that not mowing your own yard is a big issue. I did want to. I did want to ask you a question and. And get your honest opinion. And so, uh, the uh, Netherlands uh, presidential race is coming up in the fall. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm well versed in that race. I'm pay attention to it every day. I know you do. Um, Well, there's one uh, candidate who has no chance, but they're calling him kind of like the Donald Trump esque uh, candidate over there. Okay. Because. To, to, to get people's attention, he's not, you know, he's not dressing in suits and, and holding rallies. He's putting ads in peculiar places. Uh, one of those places is Pornhub. <laughs> and X videos, which 
uh, are, are two of the more popular porn sites. So my question to you is, uh, w- would you ever do that? Would you would you go unorthodox and put a political ad on a porn site to try to get people's interest? I don't think that that's a good place for a political ad necessarily. I don't think that that is how you're going to establish yourself as a legitimate candidate or a well-respected candidate necessarily. But if you wanted to get people's attention, I can't think of a better way to do it than doing that. I mean... <laughs> I think Would that's, you be in your birthday suit? Just like, hey, vote for Nick Vincent. Yeah, do you have a strong policy argument? Like, do you put forward, you know, are you going into the, the in-and-out logistics of the Netherlands economy? Or what are you – I don't feel like you're going to get into that because I just definitely don't want to be – let's say you're doing what you're doing when you're looking at those kind of videos. I don't think I necessarily want to see the politician's face come up and be like, by the way <laughs> – we interrupt this, this well, teacher this porn. Has, this has been a very uh, sexually based show so far. Listen, can we switch topics from Carnies to <laughs> to Game of Thrones for a quick second? Uh, no, we talked about Game of Thrones last last episode. No, I want to. I well, we didn't talk about the finale. Yeah, we did. You obviously but didn't no, listen but, to the last podcast where we had on one of the preeminent Game of Thrones observers in the universe. First off, you don't know if I do or don't listen to, and you didn't let me finish my goddamn thoughts. What was the name of the guy who was on the show? What was that? What was, don't you try to stall it. What was the name of the guy who was on the show as you desperately, I can hear you searching through your phone to look? I'm not searching. I, I don't remember his name, to be honest with you. Okay, so you didn't pay attention or watch or listen. No, that's that. That's not that's not true at all. Actually. Okay. Go ahead. Give I, me. I bet you can't give me a good Game of Thrones point in thirty seconds. A good Game of Thrones point. Yep. Well, why would I do that? I'm just a fan. Well, what were you going to say about it? But now I don't want to say it because now 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 you're being you know now you're being you and now you're making me not want to talk to you anymore. <laughs> why don't you just tell us now? Because now I want to know. Because now I'm trying to prove you wrong and trying to think of this asshole's name. Like I know it was like, <laughs> why does he gotta be an asshole? Why does he have to be a? <laughs> Isn't it Oz or something? Yeah, it was Oz from Thank Oz you. of Thrones. Okay, I think you should I apologize was... for insinuating that he might be an asshole. He seemed like a really nice guy. Good. Well, he's he's a nice guy. I was calling you an asshole, not him. Okay. What what I wanted to ask was I've done a lot of inquiries about who won the contest. I have that's actually I didn't realize in terms of how hard the contest would be to put together, how long it would take me to kind of figure it out. So we are still I should mention this. We are going through the results. It's just going to take a little while because I basically have to go through and then add up how much how many points everybody has. And, and you're not letting me get involved in the pointing scale or uh, grading. That no, 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 because I think some of the I, I think the reason for that is that the scale could be a little bit subjective, and I think it's fine as long as you leave that up to one person and don't have multiple people's subjective opinion. Well, I think I should pick a winner, and you should pick a winner. Fine, if you want to look through all the hundreds of emails and figure it all out, then go ahead. <laughs> I'm gonna let you do that. You, you're. That sounds like a job for you. I'm, I'm over here running Twitter polls uh, for top fictional cats and dogs. That's where my life is. Want to hear a joke about paper? 
No, because it's terrible. <laughs> Got to. Are you ready? Do you have anything else that you want to talk about, or do you want to move on to our top five? Let's 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 move on to our top five, which was it was difficult again. You know what? This is the most disappointing episode that you've done. You want to enlighten me on why? Because I've been trying to set you up for things the entire episode, and you've just completely failed. You completely failed on the owl joke. And at the beginning, before I called you, I was so sure that you were going to talk incessantly about your Twitter polls and how well they were going and how proud of you they were that I always had this whole plan as I was just going to ignore everything that you said about it until you became enraged. And you haven't done it, and it's just incredibly disappointing. First off, I didn't talk about the polls on purpose. Because I knew you were going to do that. Oh, I, I was playing checkers and you were playing chess? Yeah, come on. You never give me a compliment on this show. You were going to, I was going to say, oh, and make sure you go to our Twitter page and there will be a new one up tomorrow. And then you were, like you said, you were going to stay quiet or you were going to say, what Twitter poll? Or you were going to say, it's about time you do something. So, like, I, I got you there. What's the difference between a well-dressed man on a bicycle and a poorly-dressed man on a tricycle? Uh, something to do with a wheel. A tire. <laughs> okay, I'm a little bit worried about the top five that you've chosen because I feel like you might have gone sentimental, which is gonna, just going to make me angry. Um, the top five that we're doing is top five <laughs> things better than sex. What is your number five? Picking a rose from the garden for my wife. I'm just kidding. That was a joke. <laughs> Got you again. Uh, my number five is a shower beer. <laughs> I've never had a shower beer. I've heard they're fantastic, though. They, I mean... They are, especially on like a summer day when it's fucking hot outside and you come in and you just pop one in the shower, it's it's worth it. Do it. Do you do you feel that beer tastes differently out of a can than it does out of a out of a bottle? Uh yes. However, I'm a beer snob and I usually drink uh, out of a glass. Oh my god, I bet you've got one of those special glasses too. Like not this the normal glass you buy at Target, but like you've got your special beer glass that's shaped in such a way. <laughs> I have many actually. Oh. Insufferable. <laughs> you can have two tops. After that, like come on. Oh, you drink Stella out of this kind of cup. Really? Uh, it's a it's a glass. Yes. Yeah, really? You know how Bud Light tastes the best? Just chugging it while playing Flip Cup. That's how beer should be drank. <laughs> I, listen, I'll drink beer out of anything, but if I have my my preference, it's out of a glass. My number five is when you go on like a cleaning spree and you really clean up your house and it's all just organized and put together. That is a good feeling. One of which I don't think uh, either of us will ever feel for a long time because we have animals and children. No, I keep a tidy house. I try to stay on top of things and maintain my life. Oh. Well, it sounds like it with your mother-in-law saying you're naked. What's your number four? <laughs> uh, so 
three and four for me could could be interchangeable. But uh, number four is when you're at the club and you're wasted and you're just bouncing around the dance floor, and that that song just comes on that just gets you. God, your list is so much better than mine already. But I know what you're talking about. Like that's my song. Yeah, that's my like, song. You're like you're just wasted, and you're like you're about to go down. And next thing you know, you just hear that song, and it just gets you through like the next hour. And then you just, and then you wake up. <laughs> yeah. like, and then I woke up and have no idea what's going on. <laughs> what's your number? What's number four? Finding money on the ground. See, I don't do that enough. So I like. What do you I mean you don't do that enough? What do you mean you don't do that enough? It's not something that you like go out and set out to do. Like, you know what? I don't do enough. Go to the gym. I don't find money on the ground randomly nearly enough. What are you You're talking right, that, about? That was a ter- that was a terrible that was a terrible uh, sentence. What I meant to say was <laughs> I've only done that once. So I, I like. I mean, the feeling isn't really something that stuck with me. Can I tell you one story about me finding money on the ground? Sure. I was in Vegas, and I found a $50 bill on the ground, immediately went in, played one hand of blackjack, doubled it up, and that was literally the only gambling I did besides drinking at the penny slots the entire trip. And I (laughs) figured basically that meant that I broke Vegas. Side note, if you're ever gambling on the penny slots in Vegas, go to the place that's closest next to where they come out and serve alcohol and tip the person 20 bucks right off the bat, and you'll get whatever you want for the rest of your life. <laughs> that might be the most insightful thing we've ever said on this show. That's actually pretty good advice. I mean, it saves you a lot of money, especially if you go to like the Hooters Casino where it's really cheap and they have $3 blackjack. seen uh the national lampoons nope uh you've never seen any of them no because people talk about that's part of my policy is that once people start talking about a movie i refuse to watch the movie oh my goodness what's Whatever. your what's your number three uh a, uh a perfectly done steak okay wait a minute like how are just like just a good piece of meat that is just done the, the exact way i want it no one's fucking bothering me, and I can just enjoy a good piece of meat. You smoke that meat, or do you grill it? I mean, I, I can smoke it or grill it. Um, how do you like your steak done? Uh, medium well, usually. What? Yeah, a lo- just a tad bit of pink. Not a lot of pink. Just oh. a tad. What? You said medium well, right? Yeah. This explains why you don't mow your own yard. Essentially, just I, you're just a not a you're just like a giant baby. <laughs> Coming from somebody who's I think medium rare tops, medium rare tops. That's you're, fine. You're, I, that's fine. I'm not. I'm not. People like what they like. Yeah, but you don't like a steak that's overcooked. I think you go it's beyond. Not, it's not overcooked. I think, medium well is not overcooked. I think you go beyond medium rare. You're overcooking a good piece of meat. Well, 
I can't say that you're wrong saying I'm just a big baby. However, uh, I don't think medium well means that I'm a big baby. I just don't think that. I think that you go past medium rare on a good piece of meat and you're ruining it. All right. Well, you know, that's that. That's your opinion. I got, I got nothing. That's, you know, that's my number three. What's your number three, Captain Marvel? Cleaning out your ears with a Q-tip. Like when they feel really itchy, like when you kind of got a cold, you get the Q-tip in there, really get in there good. Oh, oh, that feels fantastic. <laughs> I I do know what you're saying. That's actually a good one. I I don't I can't say anything to that. That's it's like wiping your ass after a good shit. What's your number two? Uh, yeah, that's damn. a good transition, by the way. Like, <laughs> idiot. Two, two a.m. 2 a.m. food runs. No! That's my number one. Drunken cheeseburger is my number one. Oh, man. Yeah, 2 a.m. food runs. Nothing better. Usually the Taco Bell. Um, I don't see it? that. I think a drunken cheeseburger. Oh, God. You just. You probably. They see the reason that you don't like a drunken cheeseburger is because you like them overcooked. <laughs> You're such a douchebag. Okay. What's your number two? I'll give you my number two, and then you give them number one, since so I've already gave my number one. My number two is finding a clean bathroom when you get an unexpected, when you really got to go. Like when one hits you, and you're just holding it, trying to desperately get home, but you're not going to make it home, and you just got to like pull over into a random gas station, and you go in there, and it's clean, and you're just, oh, thank God. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I yeah, I mean, I have a couple of stories like that. Um, what is the nicest public restroom you've ever been in? Probably a quick trip bathroom. Quick trip bathroom is pretty good. You can get some airports that are pretty decent. That's probably that's what I would say is probably my number one. Would be actually a quick trip bathroom because they clean those like every twenty minutes. <laughs> Well, they're called quick trips, so they they must they know what they're doing. What's your um, what's your oh yeah what's your cleanest what's your top top bathroom? Uh, probably a Barnes and Noble or a Lowe's. Hmm. I don't trust either one of those because number one, a Lowe's you've got a lot of construction workers that are coming in there, and they're not exactly known for healthy eating on the job. And Barnes and Noble, you probably got some people that are planted in there for a while. That's a significant amount of butt sweat you're talking about in a Barnes and Noble bathroom. <laughs> you're putting way too much thought into that, man. Just give me a toilet and let her rip. You know what I'm saying? I do. What's your number one? So this is my only like sentimental one, really. Oh. Uh, and it would be like watching my favorite sports team win a title. Oh, okay. Yeah, that might be a little too sentimental for my taste. But that's got to be pretty good, like any kind of a big achievement or anything like that. I'm like, yeah. I agree with you. I'm just disappointed by your number one. <laughs> I mean, what you just said kind of uh, contradicts itself, but that's that's fine. What, what did you have an honorable mention? Uh, You know, I didn't really do an honorable mention for this one, to be Ooh, honest. I didn't either. I didn't either. I didn't feel like there was a lot of them. I mean, I could have got, you know, I could have gone all sappy and emotional, but I didn't, so. Well, I mean, here you have to consider, too, that as two married men, we hardly ever have sex, so there's hardly, it's hard to beat it. Hey-ho! 
<laughs> oh, and I threw in the word beat it there, too. Did you hear that? Unintentional. <laughs> I think you should just cut it there. That's what I'm going to do. Okay, that's going to go ahead and do it for this episode of the Profoundly Pointless Podcast. If you get a chance, like, download, subscribe, share. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. We love hearing from you guys as well. Our social media, we're Profoundly Pointless on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We love seeing the different comments that you guys leave. It's always, it's always really insightful and interesting to hear what other people think about the show because you guys have really put forward some great guest ideas and some great questions as well. I want to leave you with this really quick. This is an out-of-context conversation that John and I had that somehow transitioned to circus performers. You know, say you you believe in reincarnation. Like, does that mean that you should believe that, you know, all clowns are, are people who are brought back that were ex-felons? Probably not. What? But <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's the problem with this kind of argument is that once you go to try to give a concrete example, you just you, – you can't. You can't give the example. <laughs> and that's the mistake that you made of going clowns and ex-felons, which makes <laughs> no sense whatsoever. All right, fine. Carnies. People are <laughs> – They don't like – you're not supposed to use the word carny. What what are they? Show worker? Uh, trap. Uh, just an empl- uh, hardworking American. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm gonna keep calling them carnies until I have the carny police come and tell me to stop. I don't think that you want to mess with those kind of people. That's not the kind of people that you want to be messing with. They're mobile. They obviously <laughs> know magic. I mean, they're pretty athletic. I mean, if you've seen a circus acrobat show, that's not the kind of people you want to be messing with. And you know what? They're stealthy. I mean, they get in and out of towns like nothing. Exactly. Hard to trace. I think basically <laughs> you don't want to make off, you don't want to piss off the mob. And then second to that is circus performers when you think about it. <laughs> oh, man. You're anyway, not safe we... anywhere in your house. They could be on the second floor. They can jump right in there. 